0: good morning go ahead and find your seats we'll go ahead and get started here so we we frequently bring up how unique our church is in a lot of regards Uh, you're gonna see that on on full display this morning it is Easter Sunday Uh, there's roughly 440 Baptist churches in Indiana I don't know this as a matter of fact, but I know this as a matter of fact, if you know what I mean. I'm the only youth pastor preaching this morning, I promise. Uh, I was watching a YouTube video this morning of a of a pastor, you know, how the Easter's a, a big Sunday for people and how a lot of times, at a lot of churches, they'll freak out about every little thing, the way that a bride kind of freaks out about her wedding, and A guy goes up to him, Hey, can the youth pastor give announcements? He goes, No, the youth pastor can't give the announcements. And then here I get to preach up front for the the Sunday morning service. Uh, So we've been going over spring training. Uh, We're doing kind of like a three week series on that. Uh, Last week we got to hear from uh, Luke, this week from me, and then next week from Matt. Uh, Last week we got to go over prayer. Um, If you were like me, it was a very good sermon. I have always struggled growing up with communicating with a person who knows your every thought, right? And I uh, gave, a, gave a good uh, sermon on that, how to go through prayer. Growing up for me, I repeated the same prayer at every mealtime because my parents would always call on one of us to pray. And I would always do, clap your hands, stomp your feet. Thank you, Lord, for the food we eat. Amen. <laughs> and. I once got told if I did that prayer again, I was going to get grounded, and I transitioned to God is good, God is great, thank you for this food today, amen, and then proceeded until I wore out each, each sermon, uh, or each prayer, sorry. Uh, next week, we're going to be going over uh, how to read the Bible, another effective thing, because people all the time will come up to me and say, Brian, how... How do you read the Bible? How do I read the Bible? There's 66 books. It's a giant thing. I don't know where to start. Uh, So we're going to go over that week uh, next week. But this week we are going over, and this is something that uh, we've done before, but how how to share the gospel as part of our spring training. Uh, As a youth pastor, I've been here for, you know, seven or eight years now. My goal throughout my time as a youth pastor is while a student comes to me and then leaves and enters into the world i've effectively taught them how to share the gospel with other people uh, and doing so by by using the bible Uh, i grew up myself a a pastor's son my dad became a pastor in 91 i was born in 1990 so i spent most of my life uh, you know the son of a pastor going to my dad's church and one role of pastor's sons in the 90s, it's not so much a thing anymore, is by de facto of being the pastor's son, you're in charge of making the church sign. Do you guys remember driving to church in the 90s and every church had a sign with like a catchy slogan or catchphrase phrase? And it would be just shining bright, almost make you wreck if you were driving at night. I was in charge of changing that all the time. He would give me the letters. Brian, I need you to go up front. I need you to change the church sign. It would hang there for three weeks. If I had a spelling error, it was three weeks of everybody making fun of me. And then we moved on to the next one. And what you'll discover is if you're a church sign changer, that you notice everybody else's church signs. And if you're a landscaper, you notice, how everybody else uh, does, you know, how they mow their grass. If you are a restaurateur and you run restaurants, you notice everything your server is doing wrong. And if you're the guy who changes the church sign, you notice everybody else's church sign. And one thing that really stuck out to me, I'm driving uh, or riding with my mom to church, and we get to the church before ours, and there's a big sign that they've done, I assume their pastor's son, that said, share the gospel, if necessary, use words. And uh, I guess I understand the point of it, but I always disagreed with that sign and that motto. You, you can't communicate that you care or you love about anything else without ever talking about it. Uh, why would that be not necessary for sharing the gospel so my first tip to you all is if you're going to share the gospel you have to regularly be communicating Jesus your love for Jesus to those around you and your circles Uh, before the service starts we have that period of of greet time and you know I have people here that I consider like my friends and family and if I go up to them and talk to them I know what to talk about I know what they love I know what they care about right if I walk up to Daryl we're going to briefly mention the Bears and how the Bears are doing and is Justin Fields gonna be any good next year? Is their team gonna be good, right? I can go up to Luke and mention, you know, any minute fact about indiana whether it be their football or basketball program have a conversation with that i can hey, Coda, what's oklahoma going to do this year we know the things that we love my question to you is if you go to your friends and family and they know about the things you love is one of those things jesus are you sharing the gospel regularly to them uh myself you know i'm not constantly at work you know spurting out Bible verses, but they know I'm a Christian. They know I communicate uh, Christ to them. And what I've discovered is when somebody has a random question about the Bible, the first person they go to is that youth pastor guy that also works here. And you can easily segue any random question, Brian, what does the Bible say about tattoos? Well, I'm going to turn that into a gospel conversation. You know, Brian, what does the Bible say about this thing? I'm going to turn that into a gospel conversation. And if you're regularly communicating Christ already, they know to come to you with those sort of questions, and the opportunity to present the gospel uh, will present itself uh, pretty frequently. The good news is in the United States of America, where we are regularly, people know what the Bible is, people know who Jesus is. They may not know all the details, but you don't necessarily have to start from scratch. Uh, a Pew Forum survey, and I've kind of shared a few of these before, uh, but 80% of all people in America believe in a God. That's four out of five people. And a lot of people say, I don't, I don't want to share Jesus. I'm nervous. What if, what if they're an atheist? Or what if they are combative against me because I believe in a God and they don't? statistically speaking, that's only going to be one out of every five people that you talk to who share, share, uh, you share with. Of those 80%, though, 56% believe in, you know, the God of the Bible being the real God. Uh, 61% of those people uh, believe that they are going to get judged when they go and die on whether or not they were good or bad on earth. Uh, And that's kind of the normal American, the normal person you go up to and talk to. Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I I think the God of the Bible is real. I think when I die, I'm going to stand before God and he's going to come to me and ask, you know, was I a good person? And that's going to determine whether or not I get to heaven or hell. And so what I'm going to do today is we're going to go over some scriptures that kind of combat uh, that idea that many Americans have. Uh, What's interesting Of those people who believe that the God of the Bible is real, only 85% of those people believe that they are actually going to heaven. So it's crazy because so many people think, oh, I've got to be a good person to get into heaven, and I don't know if I qualify (laughs) as a good person or not. Uh, So interesting. Uh, The first scripture I use whenever I'm I'm starting with that is you need to understand that I am going to use the Bible and you have to know that the Bible is God's word, it is true, and it is real. So I always start off with 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So if I'm going to use scripture to share Christ, We have to first start with the foundation that scripture is God's word, it is true, it is real. So if you believe that the Bible is inspired by God and I believe that the Bible is inspired by God and you have an opinion that goes against what the Bible says, are you wrong in your opinion or is the Bible wrong in its opinion? So it's here that it's inspired by God. It's for teaching, it's for rebuking and correcting. So if I have a belief that is different from what the Bible says, and I can see in the Bible that it says the opposite, my belief is the one that's wrong. So with that being said, now we have the tool we need to go through the Bible and present what the rest of the Bible says. Uh, So a a key verse that most people would believe, even if they didn't know it, is Hebrews 9.27. What Hebrews 9.27 says is, just as it is appointed for people to die once. And after this, judgment. You're going to die. You're going to go and stand before God and be judged. What are you going to be judged on, and what are the standards, and do you pass that? So if you're talking to someone who says, yes, I believe in God, and I think my works is going to do that, well, let's Take a look at what those works are. Are you going to be found innocent or are you going to be found guilty based on your works? And what is the ultimate display of what good works are in our society? Have you guys heard of a little thing called the Ten Commandments? Moses goes up on a mountain and gets a tablet. He breaks it and he gives him a new one. So let's take a look at that. If that's the law, let's see how well you follow the law. Uh, Exodus twenty sixteen. It says, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Has anybody here ever told a lie before? One, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> the, rest, the, the rest of you just lied right now, <laughs> uh, right? If, if I were to go to heaven and God were to say, Brian, not telling a lie is a standard that I have for perfection. Have you told a lie before? And I say, yes. Am I then guilty? Of course, of course I'm guilty. Let's go on to another one of the 10 commandments. Do not murder. Has anyone here ever murdered before? <laughs> Gary, no. No, <laughs> no. cool. I'm guilty. I'm found innocent of this. That's, that's what it says. I've never murdered. Uh, but it, we learn that the definition of murder is much more strict than we think it is. Matthew 5, 21 talks about what murder is, biblically speaking. It says, you have heard that it's said to our ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. How many of you have ever been angry at someone before? Yeah, I get angry all the time. I, uh, I work in Nashville, Indiana, Brown County, and on the way out of Bloomington into Brown County is a two-lane road that is very, very windy, lots of hills, and because it is a windy road, you do not have the opportunity to pass anyone except for, like, one tiny little stretch right and so I'll be driving to work all the time and I'll get on that windy road and there'll be someone driving 10 to 15 miles an hour under the speed limit and I'm just sitting behind them right and the good news is I'm going to a place I don't want to be at so that helps a little bit I'm (laughs) I'm going I'm going to work but I'm in a hurry to get there and they're preventing me and I'm murdering people in my heart by the biblical standard four to five days a week, typically, all right? So how many of you do you think if you stood before God and He said, hey, do not murder as a standard that I require to be found innocent, and not only that, but if you ever are angry with someone in your heart, you're subject to the same judgment, how many of you would say, yeah, I'm probably gonna be guilty of murder by that standard? Yep, I just told you I do all the time, and that's just one example. Let's look at another 10 commandment. Do not commit adultery. I'm not going to ask this question. Uh, but we all understand what adultery is, right? And that's another one you may be able to say, hey, I, I'm guilty of this, or hey, I'm innocent of this by the worldly standard. Uh, but the Bible, once again, in the same way that it talks about murder, there is a much stricter standard of what that looks like. Uh, and you, you're probably going to be found guilty of this as well. Matthew 5. 27 and 28 you have heard it was said do not commit adultery but I tell you everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart uh, and this particular passage you know it, it uses gender you know pronouns but that being said I think this qualifies for both women and men it, probably none of us in this room have ever said, oh, I've never looked at a person uh, with lust in my heart ever. Certainly not. It's not not true of me, not likely true of you. Uh, So by that same standard, I have committed adultery in the book of Exodus. We've gone over just a couple of of the Ten Commandments, right? And we have 85% of a society who says, if I'm good, I get into heaven and of those people we've now kind of discovered if there's a standard if Hebrews nine twenty seven is true and I go before God and I am judged for my works how many of us think that we're going to pass that on that standard no I've, I've just told you I'm a lying murdering adulterer who also gets mad in traffic right where we do not pass that standard uh Romans 3.23 says, you know, all of us fail in that same way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've got some bad news. We've got a lot of people, people you love, people you care about, people I love, I I care about, who think, hey, if I just do the right things and when I die and I go before God, like Hebrews says, and I face that judgment, I'm good. I'm a mostly good person. But we've all sinned. We all fall short. There's, there's more bad news because Romans 6.23 says that there's a cost for that sin. There's a payment that's required. And what is that payment? It says the wages of sin is death. If you guys heard of the second death, that's a shout out to Coda. He, we went to Ecuador once and he was sharing the gospel, right? And we're talking to this hairdresser in Ecuador and we're just talking about hair you know, having a normal conversation. How long you been doing hair? You know, I I want my barber to have really good hair, right? Because if he has good hair, maybe he can help me have good hair, you've got good hair. And then Coda goes, Hey, have you heard of the second death? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, I I want us to get to that, Coda. We're <laughs> we're talking about hair right now. <laughs> but <laughs> But this is the, the second death that we're referring to. can be found in Revelations 21.8. It says here, But the cowards, unbelievers, vile, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Right. Right. We've talked about a few of these already. We're we're guilty of murder. We've we've admitted that. You know, we're sexually immoral. We've lied, right? And so if there's a punishment for sin, and that wage is death, and I am now found guilty in Hebrews 9.27, what is the punishment for that? The punishment of the guilt that we all have admitted that we suffer is that our share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That is the, the cost. Uh, the good news is, is, you know, the Bible doesn't just share the, the bad part, right? We understand we're separated from God. We understand what that, that punishment looks like. Uh, but there's a, a path to redemption that is offered to us. I shared Romans 6.23, at least the first part, but it goes in a little bit more in depth. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's more to it. There's a, a gift involved. How many of you have ever gotten a gift before? Yeah. If you remember, I've, I've shared this once before. I gave Jay a gift, right? Um, my daughter woke up really early this morning. If you have young parents, you understand that Easter is one of the serious holidays that kids don't sleep well for. Uh, So my daughter wakes up shortly after us, right Lorna's getting the Easter baskets ready and out she comes to see her Easter basket we're about to get caught in the act and I just scoop her up and I say oh I just I just really want to cuddle with you this morning can we just cuddle for a few minutes while while Lorna finished right but what is she worried about she doesn't want to cuddle with her dad right she wants to go check out her gifts her Easter basket you know she runs out there And there's, you know, Peeps and some chocolate and whatever those Squishmallow things are that are real popular nowadays. You know, there's all of that. But a gift does not come with payment. How much do you think my daughter paid for that Easter basket? Zero dollars and zero cents. (laughs) It's a gift. She woke up a magical bunny brought it in the night that looks a lot like my wife and set it all up and that was a free gift for her to receive. However, just because the gift is free for you, it doesn't mean it was free, it means it was paid for already. In this situation, you know, we're one of those parents that wait till the last minute to do things, and I got off work at like 8 or 9 last night, and I watched Adria, and Lorna went to the store and bought a basket and a bunch of chocolate, right? And she paid the price of that free gift. So the gift is free to Adria, paid for by Lorna that night before, right? likewise, the gift of eternal life has been paid for. Well, let's take a look at how that was paid for. Romans 5.8. It says, But God proves his own love for us. For, for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we've we've talked about our court setting, right? We understand what the cost is. The cost is death, um, and that has to be paid. That's an absolute requirement. But we have a gift. That's been paid for by someone else, and it's paid for by Christ because he died for us. Um, It's it's Easter. Uh, We're we're here because we're celebrating the, the fact that Christ did die for our sins and that he resurrected. Had a big, long discussion this week with Matt on what day Jesus died has nothing to do with this sermon, but it was a life-changing moment for for me. Uh, Good Friday, debatably, was actually on a Thursday. When you get home, look that up. has nothing to do with the sermon, right? Uh, But Christ arose on the third day as payment for that. He defeated death. He paid the price. He was able to overcome it. So we have a gift. We have who it was paid for. How do you receive a gift? So, so my question is, if Adria would have woken up this morning and there was a gift that was paid for by the Easter bunny, but she didn't go and take the gift, would it be hers? No, she has to go and get the gift. It doesn't become hers until she goes and chooses to receive it, to grab it and, and look through her squishmallows and find out which one is her favorite. And the, there is a reception that is required for a gift. And it can't be received through your works. It has to be received in another kind of way. Ephesians 2 8 and 9 talks about that. It says, You are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. You know, we've, we've already discovered our works aren't any good anyways. We're all, you know, murdering liars here. Um, but that being said, even if we did have good works, it wouldn't be enough. The only way that we can accept the gift is through grace that comes from faith. Uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says the, the proper way of how to receive that. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. My spelling error made it onto the big one. Uh, I wrote, "One confesses instead of "one confesses," I would have uh, called that out in the art group chat if I wasn't the one preaching. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, it says here, there is a way to receive salvation. There is a way you have to receive the gift. You have to do it by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. One believes with the heart. When I was a kid, it was really popular to have like the ABC blocks. Have any of you ever seen the gospel presentation by using the ABC blocks? There's an A and you kind of turn it over. It's admit that you are a sinner. And then the B believe that Christ rose from the dead. And then there was a C, confess your sins to God. That's the ABCs of how to accept Christ that Romans 10, 9, and 10 goes over. So you need to understand what, you know, what that gift is. You need to understand how to receive it. And there's additional good news after that. If you have admitted that you're a sinner, confess that Jesus is the Lord, believed in your heart that he rose from the dead, that's not something you have to do every day. I'm gonna drive to work next week and I'm probably gonna murder someone in my heart again when I get stuck in traffic, right? And the good news is, is I don't have to every single time I can, you know, commit one of these sins. Do I then have to go back, go through another trial, talk to God again, ask for forgiveness, which that should be part of a walk with God, but that is not required for salvation. And you kind of see that through Philippians one six. It says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you would say if Christ enters your heart and becomes Lord of your life, that he started a good work? Yeah, I would say that's a really good thing. Christ has entered my heart. He started a good work in me. What is he going to do with that good work? He's going to finish. Anything he starts, he'll carry it on to the day of completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If I invite Christ in my heart to be Lord of my life, he's going to stay there. He's going to carry it on to completion. I'm going to mess up again in the future. I'm going to sin again. uh, But Christ is going to continue to carry that good work. Um, I would encourage, I don't know where, where you all stand in your walk with God. Uh, there are a lot of you I know, some of you I'm seeing up here for the first time. I want you to understand that if, if you've never done this, that you are a sinner and there's a price for that. You know, we all deserve to die and go to a lake of fire. We've kind of read through that just now. Uh, and there's great news, though, that someone loved me so much that he was willing to take that price for me. Uh, He died on a cross. He rose again. And just knowing that won't necessarily get you into heaven. Satan knows that. The demons know that. There is a way to receive that gift. You have to invite Christ in your heart, have to invite him to be Lord of your life. You have to believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. If you haven't done that, I, I, I pray that you would do that. If you're someone who has and you know this great thing, why aren't you communicating that regularly to those that you love you know i uh i have a lot of things that i i regularly care about i've i've kind of talked about this before as a as a restaurant manager i'm a firm believer that red bull can turn your day around <laughs> and you know I tell my wife this, if I'm tired when I'm going to work, there's this new gas station that used to be an old gas station that crumbled to the ground and it's it's reopened and they have just a whole giant thing of Red Bull and I can go there and I can drink it and my whole day is just better. And when I get to work and someone else is tired, I'm like, bro, have you drank a Red Bull? you got to have a Red Bull, man. Red Bull's going to change your life, make your whole day better. And I don't get tired again on a Red Bull till the end of the day when it's time for bed. It just works, right? And I'm excited to tell people, drink the Red Bull. We have news that's way better than that, right? And we so frequently say, no, nah, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. I don't want to make anybody upset. And we are so willing to talk about the things that we love. Uh, why would you not tell others about this Uh, so that's kind of our lesson on on sharing the gospel I hope this has been a a productive effective way for you guys to learn to share if you need to do so Um, if you have any questions on how to share with people I'm glad to sit you down one-on-one and kind of talk about this uh, more in detail and if you've never accepted Christ to to be your savior we'd love to love to talk to you about that Uh, with that being said let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again that we we have a place to meet and um, to worship you, God. Um, We come to you as as sinners, people not worthy of your love, not worthy of entering into heaven, not worthy of having a relationship with you. Uh, But we're thankful that, you know, you loved us even when we weren't deserving of that. You were willing to, to pay the price for that that you were willing to, to suffer in the, the worst kind of way, uh, death on a cross after being beaten. Um, just pray that, you know, because you were willing to die for us, that we'd make the, the choice to, to live for you, God. Um, pray for churches all across America. There are many believers that are... Uh, that are effectively having an opportunity to talk to others. There's a, a lot of people going to church today that, that normally wouldn't be at church, Lord. And I just pray that there'd be an opportunity for gospel conversations to happen everywhere, God. Uh, in your name, amen.